0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, Supercoach Elites. Welcome back to another Supercoach Elites podcast, proudly sponsored by guys at ExoticLimo.com. My name's Corey, and as always, alongside me is, not Bretta, it's Bonfer again.
1: Choo-choo! That's right, Corey, mate. The Bonfer Express is back. And today we'll have a look at the, uh, well, an early look at the, kind of like the Ford setup um, and some Ford line primos and mid-prices and, and whatever we got going on up front. Um, but before we get stuck into that, Corey, mate, where can the listeners hit us up on social media?
0: Uh, find us on Twitter at SC Elites. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, and SoundCloud at Supercoach Elites. Unfortunately, Brett couldn't be here again. Work's getting in the way, Bons. I don't think it is. I just think he's just underprepared coming into the preseason, looking for an out. But uh, The word
1: unfortunately, not a word I agree with. Um, but again, scared of this chilly challenge. And you know what, calls. I would not be surprised if we don't see him uh, reappear for this entire preseason because um, he just wants to get out of this Chile challenge. That's my genuine belief. Well, can't argue with anything you say at the moment
0: until Breda come, can come back and defend himself, and uh, that's what we're going to have to run with. Big podcast today, the forwards. Uh, I'm finding it the hardest, probably, line out of the three. What are you thinking early?
1: Um, I, I feel like it's my most settled line. To be honest, I think, like, the only thing I'm kind of toying with is my F3, F4 position. Um, but everything else has kind of, yeah, been, been really settled, to be honest. Yeah, um I'm so light on up forward, it's not funny. Yeah, I know. And, and, look, I did my team reveal over the weekend too, and I put a team out there that was a bit light on up forward as well, but it's not something that I'm necessarily looking at, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think what's going what's gonna, to, I guess happens to our forward line is when we actually get to know what rookies um, are playing. That's when we'll get to know what kind of structure we can run with moving forward. But, yeah, at, at the moment, you kind of look at it and you just see a whole bunch of rookies there and a lot of teams with uh, with probably a mid price or two sitting in there as well. But I think the forward line premiums pick themselves. I'm sure we'll speak about them.
0: And that's it. And, look... We'll talk about structures as we get closer to the season and things like that at the moment. But let's just go through what we've got here at the moment. Patrick Dangerfield, I'm not sure if Supercoach website's made it an issue here. 60 66% of teams selected by Patrick Dangerfield.
1: <laughs> that's a low percentage number. Surely wrong. Anyone that is signed up to the Supercoach website at this point in the year either has not completed their team and hasn't pressed you no know, submit team, and maybe that's why. The figures are a little bit low, but surely any team or any person that has any half bit of knowledge about Supercoach and and football would be selecting this man.
0: We won't say some things that we said last year that could irk some people. No, uh, we won't. What do you say to those who don't have him?
1: No, to get him. Obviously, it's to get him. We're, We're speaking about a bloke here who, since 2012, has not averaged underneath 100. And let's have a look at his averages, right? 118 from 22 games, 112 from 20, 105 from 22, 118 from 21, 130 from 22, 136 from 21, 121 from 21 games. He's played underneath 21 games once in the last what's that, uh, 2009 to seven years, and has not dipped below 105 average in that time. It's incredible. Obviously, we've been gifted uh, to be selecting as a forward. And it's an absolute no-brainer from round one and needs to start there. I think there was talk um, over the past week or two as well about him shedding some KGs as well, which is something we'd love to hear about players as well, don't we? Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely looking fitter than ever. The biggest quads in the game. Oh, arguably. Foss pretty big too. But, uh, yeah, I just I don't understand how you could go into the year without him. He'll probably be VC or captain... Most weeks, what was the price at the start of last year? Seven hundred and something, seven yeah. forty? Is that correct? Yeah,
1: like, you look like
0: Yeah, yeah you know, he's hundred k cheaper. Yeah, yeah, should be the number one known player in the game. Should be the first player you select, no matter what you're doing. Guys are freaking the fact that we got him as a forward. Um, is an absolute no brainer. What we'll about his teammate in Tom Hawkins? Won't.
1: Oh no! I won't be going anywhere near Tom Hawkins, uh this year. That's for sure. And we all know how much of a rap I kind of had on him last year. But I mean, I think last year the the word I think of the of the podcast that you particularly love is outlier. Uh, he had a little bit of an outlier year last year, um, where it was his first season um, where he's averaged a hundred, and he's only ever had one other season where he's averaged above. 87 for 88.87.1 was his kind of his third highest average for a year. So, no, I don't think you can go anywhere near Tom Hawkins. Um, well, I mean, you can go near him and feel significantly cheaper, but at that price, you can't go anywhere near him. Always too expensive. Probably
0: will have a good first round. He always historically plays well against the Pies, but. Um... I don't think he's one that is worth shoving out the 552k price tag that's sitting on his head. I think that's a little bit too much. And, look, he could he could turn it around and have an excellent back back half of the year like he did last year, and you'd probably pick him up for 100k cheaper too. So, Tom Hawkins is one that I definitely wouldn't be opening the season with. Um, we got off 549k. We had a brief chat about him last week, how viable he could be in that ruck position as a, a bit of a swing Anyway, you could run in the season starting with Westhoff up forward and still selecting the two ruckmen that
1: don't have that swing? No, I wouldn't encourage it. I mean, obviously, anyone can do whatever the hell they like, um, but I certainly wouldn't encourage it. I think when we spoke about the hop during the, during the ruck podcast, I mentioned that last year. A bit like Hawkins in that outlier uh, year there, Corey. Um, again, first time he's averaged over 100. Um Westhoff has only missed one game, though, in the last seven years, um, which is absolutely incredible. Um, So you know he's dribble. You know he's going to play games. um, And in those seven years, he's got a low score of 80 with a second low score – sorry, low average of 85. So um, he's he's probably not going to do anything poor to your team, but there's probably players who are going to do better on the year.
0: Westhoff. I couldn't see... Oh, I wouldn't be starting him. Um, Port is at round eight, again, the bye this year. So yeah. Are we going with the same thing, too? They've just... They're almost that team year in, year out now that you can have that, that wait-and-see factor, that look. You know, if he starts doing it, if he comes out and he's playing a great role through the midfield, you know, off half-back, and he's scoring really well, he's your first upgrade target coming out of round eight. So, well, maybe not your first, but he's definitely an upgrade target. I... I probably don't condone too much starting with the Port Boys rather than let's having a good look with them. Robbie Grace fits under that mould too, I mean, I'm sure when we get there. But, um, yeah, that that buy round structure, and which probably got a little bit more talking about last year than it did this year, I think, when it came to the boys. I remember last year it was a huge topic of conversation. But, yeah, west off, wait and see for me. Buddy Franklin bumps he's always been a very talented coach player, historically scores well, always has huge scores, fluctuates up and down, you know, your one sixties with your 80s and, and, and even less. Anyway, you could condone starting Franklin coming to the season, what is he, 32, 33 this year?
1: Yeah, something like that, but yeah. there's just no slow in this bloke down, he's a generational type uh, footballer, isn't he? 12 seasons. In the last 12 seasons, he's averaged underneath 90 on two occasions. Uh, To me, that is phenomenal, particularly for a key forward. Um, He's ceiling at 115. He's only averaged over 100 once in his last six years. So, look, I think it's the right kind of price to pay for Buddy. Um, But by the same time, you know, we know he has those lower scores so I feel like we can get him cheaper at some point later in the year as well. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he's suffering an injury this pre-season. Yeah, don't quote me on sure that, but
0: up as well.
1: th- I'm relatively confident that that's the same same situation. Well. Yeah, I'm relatively confident that he's got a bit of an injury issue as well. So, But I mean, when hasn't Buddy had an injury issue? Whether it's a, you know, a lingering leg or a sore, I don't know, hamstring or whatever the hell it is. I feel like he's kind of always lingering around, but... I mean, Buddy's the kind of player where he's on 40 after three quarters and then scores 60 in the final quarter to bring his score up to a respectable 100. Um, I feel like he's a, a fairly underrated, though. Like, he, he goes under the radar and he probably doesn't get as enough super coach love as he probably should. Um, and it, it probably comes through when we're kind of speaking about him now, to be honest. I mean, we're like, yeah, he's an option, but, well, I am anyways. But like, yeah, he's an option, but he's probably not my first pick but he always seems to hover around that top six to eight year in, year out.
0: Mm. And, and some of those scores too, you get him in the right matchup, you can almost go in and risk the vice-captain option on him because, you know, playing at Gold Coast, he could kick 10.
1: Yeah, well, well, he did it against the Premiers last year and he kicked eight in round one or whatever it was and scored 170-something. That's
0: right, yeah. Late yeah, season, so surgery too for Lance Franklin.
1: That's what it was there, yeah, yeah cool. But- so... He does it against the good teams as well. He scored 160-odd against GWS in round 22. He scored 178 on the Pies in round 20. So he does it against the good and the bad teams. Don't you worry about that.
0: You'd love to just get him on a on a fit preseason where there's nothing wrong with him. No news, no no nothing. It'd be great to just have a fully fresh, fit, firing Buddy Franklin for the Supercoach teams.
1: You'd be absolutely stoked with that wouldn't you? But, um, I mean, you can only... I mean, we can't control that. A buddy can't even control that. I don't think so. We'll have to deal with that as is.
0: 543k, Sammy Menengola, who's finished in the top six two years in a row. Um, we, I definitely wasn't his biggest fan last preseason with Gary Ablett coming there. But have we been gifted by having Sammy Menengola as a forward again?
1: Um, I think he becomes another option and, and probably someone will. Look at a little more, more closely, especially knowing what the, what the Cats have done with Ablett and knowing what Menegola was able to produce last year without Ablett. But hey, have a look at his uh, career. Over his career, his average is right on kind of 100. Six games in 2016 for 99, then he averaged 100 in 2017, and then he went 100 again last year. So um, probably someone, and I'd like to see the percentages. I'm not sure if you got them up there, Corey. But probably someone who might be slipping underneath uh, people's radars right now, owned by three yeah. percent, and I think that there um, is a really good pod because last year we weren't confident with Ablett, Fair to say that, and as the year went on, we became more confident and kind of encouraged people to sort of pick him up back end last year after the buyers. Um, but hey, no reason why uh, why he can't be one uh, in your top kind of two or three selected in the Fords this year
0: it's funny because it's almost that Ablett and Dangerfield factor that they can be so potent up forward. I mean, uh, that Menengola gets a lot more midfield time and that now we have Dangerfield as a forward line player because the rotation all those players can have where they do go sit up forward and, and, and kick your goals and dominate and... You know, you know if the game needs to be won you can put them in the midfield and put Dangerfield at full forward and there's not too many who can man up on him as well so I've, I've got huge reps at Sammy Manengola this year, he's kind of one of those ones really, if I was looking for someone a little bit out of, outside the box that I'd be looking at, um, I don't have him currently in my team but he's probably not too far away from it to be honest because he's, I think he's so much more impactful as a midfielder than he is up forward and I think when I'm looking at that forward line, I love to look at players who I know are going to you know, have some serious stints in the midfield. Devin Smith done that last year is almost that uh, tagger who can go get his own ball. Are we a little bit more worried this year with uh, Dylan Shield coming in with a 531k price tag?
1: Yeah, I think when I when I first started and I went to go select my team, I was kind of looking for Devin Smith to see if he was a forward line player, which he was, but... Um, I was looking to bring him in kind of straight away, but I could only afford that one player with the way I'm structuring my team at that kind of 530k price. Um, and I couldn't go past Pig and Heaney over, over Devin Smith. So I am a little bit worried about um Hill and Shield for what it might mean because we've seen Devon Smith be able to play that high half forward, forward pocket type role for GWS successfully. And um, we know that if he's got, and got that in his arsenal, then I mean, there's no reason why he's not going to be able to do that for another club as well. But, in saying that, he was a tackling machine last year. He also didn't get a lot of reward from, um, well, you know, my best friends down there at Champion Data. Um, and, and that and that could be something that may take his average from 97 to 100 and 105, and because he actually was pretty impactful in games last year, Dev. He just didn't necessarily get the love, I think, uh, points-wise, that he probably deserved. Does that worry
0: you the other... Way though, that if he's that Shield comes in and Dev spends less time in the midfield and and doesn't run through the guts a little bit more that he's that, that his numbers
1: could actually drop down? No, because what that says to me is that if him in the guts, um, and he's able to produce those sort of points, it means that he's kinda of getting a lot of possessions that weren't necessarily rewarded as we would expect. So if he's kind of moving himself out of the midfield, maybe playing a little bit more forward line role, then I think the forward line. When you're playing in the forward line, your your kind of points per possession is actually a lot higher compared to points in the midfield. So I think it kind of balances itself out. If that makes any sense at all. Have you had a look at him at all? I have, yeah. So I mean, my issue at the moment in my my own team is is Toby Green, and I'm actually flicking consistently between Devon Smith and Menegola and Toby Green, just depending on how I want to structure.
0: This is where I would have loved to bread on this podcast for the Devin Smith talk. I haven't even really considered
1: him. Yeah. Why not?
0: I'm scared. I'm seriously scared when it comes to Devin Smith. I mean, um, he's always had talent. He was very talented at GWS, but he was always that kind of player who could go play that defensive role up forward. Um, you know, when they lost in, they obviously went and got Matt DeBoer, that kind of very similar role where it's, you know, trap that ball in the forward line, hunt, tackle, do what you need to do. And as effective as he was in the midfield at playing that, you know, that negating role, they've kind of got other players who can almost do that. And now bringing in Shield, they've got oh, Merritt's always been the one that gets the ball out and gets it going. So I seriously worry about Dev's time on ball, and I think they will impact his numbers. Because I think it's going to be more focused around Merritt and Shield as lone midfielders. And then the role players, you know, Devin Smith coming through, uh, Myers to a lesser extent and, and those kind of players who can all, all play that similar role. And I think I think if you pair Devin Smith up with someone like Tip and Woody, who are both so aggressive and, and want to lock that ball in, I think it's going to fit better for Essendon's play style because um, you got to remember, clubs don't give a shit about Supercoach. so mm. that's where I get a little bit worried about Dev Smith. Not that he's not going to score all right, I, th- I still think he'll go well. He'll probably average, you know, ninety to ninety-five. But I think where you know those extra five or six points, I-, I worry. And for me, he's one that I'd really, I really want to wait
1: and see. Um, I don't, I don't share the sort of same things there because the way I look at kind of Essendon's team is that players like Myers all of a sudden they're getting pushed out. So for Dylan Shield to play a game, someone has to not play in that 22. And who are they not going to play? They're not going to play kind of one of those um, Myers types or, you know, they pissed Collier off over to Fremantle, and um, they probably lost one or two others. Even Zaharakis, man, he's getting on in age and maybe someone like him all of a sudden can move um, to a half-forward flank or play that high half-forward role. Someone who's got plenty of pace and can impact the scoreboard. I don't hold the same concerns um, that you do. I think also what's happening here is Goddard going kind of leaves a little bit of a void at half-back. And we know Heppel can kind of swing back and kind of play behind the ball um, in a good role as well. So that might be another option that I think Essendon have there. So, uh, look, if you're paid five hundred and thirty dollars for Devin Smith, you're not overpaying and you're not underpaying. You're paying the right price. I think you know it and you're going to get a similar output to last year, I think.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree with that, but... Like I said, I'm very light on in the forwards. And, and right now, Dev's not even looking at it. I, I'd probably prefer Menengola going into the start of the season than I would Devin Smith.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, Tommy McDonald. Hasn't he just been one that's consistent, taking grabs, doing what he needs to do? But 529K,
1: ranked number no. 7th uh, forward line player, forward. too expensive? Oh, dude, can't touch that without Hogan there. Um, all of a sudden, this Melbourne forward line spoke about this with Gawn last week. Melbourne's going to be an interesting team to see how they structure up, and we really need to see some preseason season stuff to to know what's going on down there, but uh, 5.29 for for Tommy Mack. No, I can't do it. Isaac Heaney? Yeah, love it. Um, one of the players I've selected that hasn't moved um, currently from the team. I keep on track of this year. From the very first team I picked, and I kind of put it as a highlighted point in uh, my team drop on Saturday, um, one of the players that was picked and has never, ever been removed, not even for 10 seconds, Um and unless he's, you know, not fit or not playing round one, I don't see how that changes. Well, the old guard's changed. Heaney's gone. Um, J- JPK's getting on in age. You uh, mean Hanabrew's gone? Yes,
0: yeah, uh, sorry. Heaney. JPK getting on in age. Titch is gone. The passing of the guards here, and I think Isaac Heaney, this is his year of uh, full-time mid-work. I probably would have considered Heaney if he as a mid- midfielder only this year. Too. Yeah i uh, I got massive wraps on the kid. He is a unit. I think he's going to have a fantastic season at Sydney, and he's the same. I've only got two primos up forward right now um, in my kind of early play-around team, and it is Dangerfield and Heaney. Um, and there is 0% chance that I'll go into the season without him. I actually think he was my second-picked player.
1: Yeah, it's an. I think it's an absolute steal at that price as well. Um, you're certainly not on... Uh, overpaying, and some, like myself, may even say that that's a, uh, it's an absolute bargain at that price. Similarly to what I said about Whitfield in, in kind of defence, and I, and I know I did one of the write-ups about Whitfield being uh, an absolute bargain, he's absolutely no different to that. Uh, that is an absolute steal at that price. I, I feel like he's got a lot of Dustin Martin potential in relation to, we had him as a forward, you know, several years in a row, and we kind of just continue to pick him and he never kinda really breaks out, but one year that'll come and when it does we're gonna see just we're gonna reap huge benefits from it. And worst case scenario well worst case is that he gets injured for the year, but kinda second worst case scenario is that he kinda just does what he's done the last two years and that's average high nineties.
0: You put it in that bracket of Dangerfield when he broke out, Zorko when he broke out, Rockcliffe when he broke out. Beams. Um slide bottom. You know, the ones that we had as forward only. Yeah. And then they just, yeah, Dusty, they all had that year. He is that good, this kid, and he will be the one. So I stro- like, uh, yeah, strongly, strongly urge you to start the season with Isaac Henney. I can't see how you couldn't. Only in 37% of teams, I expect before the season starts that I'll probably drop over, be over the 50% mark. Uh, Robbie Gray, almost fall under the same boat as Westhoff.
1: Yeah, man, you can't. Uh, not after his such inconsistency when he's playing that uh, forward pocket role last year. I think he'll start the year kind of just and stay the entire year as that kind of forward pocket um, role. Which, I mean, I have to say, I don't think there's anyone better in the game in that role than uh, Robbie Gray. He kicked four goals in a quarter. One of the games last year just absolutely turned it on its head. Um, but I think that early that early buy poses uh, the biggest barrier in getting him in the, the game against the Saints over in China this year. Um, so for me, it's a firm no to start in the year with. I think you're missing too many points in round eight. Whether you're playing for overall or league, it will impact both. And I think uh, he kind of becomes that perfect, if you feel like he's a top six, kind of round nine, ten uh, upgrade option just prior to the buys.
0: In twelve percent of teams at the moment, which is a lot higher than what I thought he would be. What about the fact that Ollie Wines is gone? For and well, until round one. Uh news coming out today, he'll miss eight to ten. I'm sure if he'll be fit for the start of the season.
1: Yeah, so obviously, um they have a gap in their midfield, but I just feel like Port Adelaide cannot do without Robbie Gray in the forward line. They could do with two Robbie Grays, one in the mid and one in the forward. But I just feel like his scoreboard impact is uh, just far too great to kind of miss out on. He started the year in the midfield last year, did he not?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Remember uh, I believe he did. Fire early.
1: And that's right, and then he kind of moved to the forward line. So if you feel like he might be doing similar things to last year, then maybe we'll kind of see him in the midfield and, and sort of drop off um, and have those kind of low-score games, which he... Has consistently produced over his career, well certainly at least whilst playing in the uh, in the forward line. But he had three scores in the 60s last year and and one score of 37. So you're going to get that. You're going to get you're going to get good and you're going to get bad. But I think on the overall, I think that that buy early in the season for me really makes it. It, it just tips the, con, the cons column a little bit heavier than than the pros column.
0: uh, bunch the next couple. We got uh, Gunston who was sitting at 10, but even Luke Bruce there. Any chance for some of these Hawk hawk boys? Especially with Titch going down. You can see any of the Hawks... Are we, we going to get any value with the premium Hawks going to the midfield? Luke Bruce spent a bit of time in the guts last year. Any chance? Yeah. Can we can
1: we um can we lump one more in there? Can we lump Wingard in there too? Ah, uh, yeah. if you are going to speak about Lingard a little bit lower down. But yeah, chuck him in. Well, we'll just K. speak about all Hawks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Gunston he kind of mixes between forward, back, wing, and and Gunston will just do Gunston things. And Bruce, um, who obviously played a bit through the midfield last year. Um, but also was just kicking bags after bags after bags, especially against the weaker teams anyways. Um, do I think they're going to get more time through the midfield? No, I don't, um, to be honest. I think they're going to really depend on the, the newer types kind of come through, and these guys will play similar roles as to what they played last year, just offering that, that support through the midfield. Um, Wingard is the one, though, that is, well, currently sort of half tempting me, but I know when I see a couple of pre-season games... He's going to be the bolter, I think, and he's going to be the one that's going to say, pick me, pick me, pick me.
0: Can you see him playing a lot of time in the midfield?
1: Uh, Wingard is, to me, he's kind of next level. Um, and I know we spoke about Robbie Gray kind of not being, uh, was playing the full line role. Don't forget, Port lost Wingard as well. So they're going to need that little crafty kind of forward. So that kind of adds to the whole Gray thing as well. But Wingard last year... He showed so many signs of what he's going to be able to do when he when he plays midfield. I mean, there were several games where he scored, or well, well, not scored, but he had kind of mid to high 20s or 30 possession games. And if you look at every single one of them, he scored over a ton. And I think he's going to cop some attention this year. Absolutely, no doubt. But I think um, his ability just to get ball, his effectiveness with it, Um, is going to be something that that kind of separates him. And at at 480K, we could be looking at someone who could potentially be a top three forward uh, sitting right there. I I think this pick makes a lot of sense. I I really just want to see him with some midfield minutes. But the concern would be, obviously, that he kind of gets tagged. Um, But maybe teams will continue to run with Isaac Smith still. Who knows?
0: Any chance you'll risk him in your starting team?
1: Every chance to risk him in my starting team. He's kind of vying... Look, I haven't had a real deep kind of look at him at the moment, but he, he'll he be in that conversation around Menagola, Devon Smith, Wingard, Toby Green. He, he'll sit kind of in that conversation for me. I know it.
0: I'm not a huge fan, early, to be honest. I'm a, I'm a lot more ca- probably cautious than you are on Wingard. I, see. Don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. I don't, I don't really trust Alistair Clarkson to give us a consistent kind of run through the guts with Wingard. I mean, maybe Titch out helps, but they look, they've got some absolutely amazing forwards. He definitely could be used there, but I just—I would just want to wait and see for it. It's not one that I'd be banking on at the start of the season. I'd rather upgrade to him.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I'd be happy to take the risk on someone like Wingard because I think his kind of low-end stuff um, won't be as bad as people think it will be. And I think kind of the absolute minimums, he'd be averaging 90 on the season. And you can kind of plug holes along the way. And if you've got trades at the back end, kind of upgrading then. But someone who I can see myself taking the risk on because they've got a bit of love for Chad Wingard. Um, and I think the upside to him is just obviously immense.
0: How do you think the Hawks are going to go this year?
1: I think they were... <laughs> They finished a lot better than they should have last year. Um, they'll be contender for the eight, I think, again. Um, I don't necessarily think they'll make it.
0: Mm. I'm just scared with Wingard. He can be a bit of a front runner. just depends on... Hawthorne tends to get the best out of every run, though, don't they?
1: Yeah, look, he can be... By front runner. you mean kind of like downhill skier yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that that's a fair point you raised, but I just feel like who... Look, who else is kind of getting the ball? Who else is going to be involved in link-ups? Um, you know, Smith, Shields, they kind of come to mind. But you look at the Hawks' forward line, you know, they've still got Poppy. They've still got, well, Rioli's gone, obviously. But they've got Ruff, Gunston, Bruce. They've kind of got the whole crux there um, to kind of that, that forward line that won three flags in a row. They'll have the rest in Ruckman there too, probably. Um, I just feel like there's not many positions in the Hawks' forward line up for grabs. And and that's what pushes Winfield uh, Winfield Jeez, I'm talking about bloody smokes. wing guard uh, up the field a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. And I know there's a lot of love for him out there, so it's good to oh, yeah, get I agree the, with the, it. Yeah, the, of the token there. There's uh, David Mundy. Get a look in now. lucky Neal's gone. Connor Blakely has just gone down with an injury. Michael Walters, to an extent. Are we going to see these guys
1: back through the midfield? Well, I think Walters is the one that's been spoken about this preseason around that whole midfield thing. I think he wants to move to the midfield as well. I think all of a sudden, and we know how much I've hated Walters two years in a row, all of a sudden Walters, again, becomes an option because I think he could genuinely play these midfield minutes. Um, And we've seen it last year. We kind of saw it in stints the year before as well, is that when he's able to play these midfield minutes, he's able to score. Like, it translates to supercoach points, which isn't something we can necessarily say for all players. Again, it's just a matter of injury with this fella. Have a look at his games last year. And again, it was quite similar to Wingard. Um, any kind of game where you had mid to high 20s never cracked the 30 mark, but he had a low score of 92, and the rest of it was all kind of all tons from uh, there on out. So again, I mean, if you can push up into the midfield, we're looking at a bloke who, let's say, can average 25 touches on the year. And when he has mid-20 touches, he scores 100. We could be looking at a bloke who could average 100 uh, at sub-480K.
0: Are we just so scared of injury?
1: Oh, I'm always terrified with injury for this blow, but I think you have to pick him when he's not injured and write out the injuries.
0: Yeah, I don't know. You know me, I'm a huge Mike Walters fan. He's destroyed my mm. season twice. So <laughs> Got your relegated yeah, once. Yeah, exactly. We might as well pick him again.
1: 3% of teams. So. Third time lucky. Yeah. 3% of teams is surprising because there are a lot of people out there who love him.
0: Yeah, I thought he'd be in more than that, to be honest. But what about Monday?
1: It's Monday, I couldn't. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't do Monday. I could do Walters, but I couldn't do Monday. Just
0: that price tag, five twenty.
1: It's not so much even the price tag. I just, I just feel at some point he's going to kind of just kind of go downhill. And last year, I didn't, I didn't expect it to kind of be last year. But this year, I'm kind of changing my tune and thinking yeah, he's done. And, and I feel like we shouldn't pick players who are in their last year of football. And I'm feeling right now that this is last year of football. Probably one of
0: those ones too that you'll you'll have a look at during the season at the same price as well. So you can't see oh. him being a top six, but if he is around that mark and you want to take a risk on him as a pod during the year, you're probably not paying much more for him.
1: He'll hover. He's a hoverer.
0: Uh, the doggies, Dunkley, McLean, Mitch Wallace, and Caleb Daniel, who we've got as a forward and spent a lot of time down back last year. Uh, Dunkley 5'16", McLean 5'14", Wallace 500, Caleb Daniel 4'20". Do you think Caleb Daniel's going to start behind the ball again?
1: He only did it for about a month period, didn't he? Um, I'll need to see kind of some preseason stuff to to kind of evaluate that, but I mean, it, 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 I really don't know. Um, I'm not a not a huge dogs watcher. Um, but, I mean, who the hell knows? Truly, who the hell knows? Um, the other guys you mentioned, McLean, obviously, he had an a incredible start last year. And week after week after week, well, certainly, you and Brett are kind of more at the start. It took a little, little bit longer to convince me, but we're encouraging McLean. And then he kind of dropped off in the back end, didn't he? Um, and the return of yeah, the return of Libba, the, the, just the fitness of uh, Wallace now. I don't know about McLean. Um, he's one I, I'd want to wait and see, like you're kind of sitting on uh, on Dev Smith and Wingard. He's one i like to s- wait and see. Dunkley, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about him because you were huge on him uh, kind of last year, especially in the back end, encouraging people to, to have a look at him.
0: I'm a little bit more hesitant this year than I was last year. I think Josh Dunkley is an excellent footballer. Um, but you've got you've kind of got those locks in that Western Bulldogs team who can't move outside of the midfield. I think McCrae's one of them, Libber's one, I think Mitchell Wallace is almost one to an extent, not completely locked. And cuz you get that very similar type of player in Dunkley, Wallace and McLean. I think McLean and Wallace probably act better as pressure forward players, where Dunkley is almost a better midfielder than both of them. Um, no disrespect to either of them, but I'm so scared that you're gonna see Dunkley, McLean, Wallace on a huge rotation, almost that you know that tripod of you know tore up forward ones in the guts, and then a goals kicked, and then you switch that around, and you switch Bont with them. The Doggies have a very good core of rotating midfield forward players that I'm just so... see the same reason why I'm so scared of Bont in the midfield. And it is because of that rotation, whereas I I can't really see too much players like Liber and McRae leaving the midfield. Whereas I could see Dunkley stuck on that half-forward flank or or something like that. But out of all of them, Dunkley is my favourite. And If I was going to take a risk on one of them, it definitely would be him.
1: Oh, absolutely. And in the last nine rounds last year, um, he had two scores in the 80s. Everything else was 100 plus, yeah. with two scores, 147 or above. So, obviously, got big, big, big potential. And obviously, could find the pill as well. I think he, well, he had a low kind of possession count of 23 and a second low of 26 in that time. So, knew how to find the ball. Tackle lock, like an absolute machine as well. In that time, Low low tackle count of four, had that three times, and high tackle count of 12. Um, he averaged six tackles on the season. I mean, it's it's good numbers. It, it, it really is good numbers, and you know he's not going to get attention. So keep an eye because if pre season he's getting the minutes again, like all these other blokes have been talking about, kind of becomes a real genuine option.
0: It's funny, Katu, you think back to Collingwood all those years ago, Pendlery, Swan, Cybottom. Um, beams. I think there was a year where Swan Pendles and Swan uh, Swanee, geez, get that right. Swanny yeah. Beams and Pendles all went over. I think it was like 112 average yeah. on the start of the season. There's no reason why that that kind of doggies core can't do that. Um, and, and I think especially Josh Dunkley, I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's almost a, you know g- gonna secure himself into a top six place by season's end. Um, and, and one that I have had a look at but just fe- like really do fear that that re- the rest of the doggie's call cool. and and not mm. knowing what Bevo's going to do and things like that too so you you smacked the nail on the head right there when you said let's wait till we see what we get in preseason because if he's, if his midfield minutes are are through the roof he's hard to ignore at 516k
1: yeah i think he becomes an automatic pick at um for 3
0: mm. it's an interesting one there um tim kelly any chance
1: no, look, I, I won't go near it. Players that are not happy, players I want to leave the club, we've got to remain there for another year. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near it. Don't care how good he was um, in his debut year. Um, I think that's just... That conversation in it itself, for me, uh, is enough to scare me off to not right. even contemplate it. Uh,
0: you think Rewalt can play a little bit higher up the ground?
1: Jack? Yeah. Um, oh, can I'm he? I'm talking about Nick. Well, he could be talking about... Well, there isn't another Riewoldt, is there? Yeah, yeah, so I kind of screwed that one up. But anyways, um, yeah, can he play higher up the ground? Yeah, he can. I mean, he does that a lot. I think the benefit we're going to see from Rewalt now is that he doesn't have to kind of be that, that guy they put it on his head, and his job is to literally spoil the ball to the ground. Um, does that mean he gets involved in more chains now? Potentially. I mean, we could even see an increase in average here from Jack Rewald, well, given that his Just role on the team on. was literally to bring the ball to the ground. Well, it's
0: kind of very similar to, you know, that Hogan and Tom McDonald last year where one of them went and played that link up higher up the ground. How much better it made their supercoach game, even though they switch, kind of switched that very often. He could be that, that that chain, you know, taking the marker and then hitting that
1: inside 50 to Tom Lynch. And we know that if you the more chains you get involved in, the, the better your supercoach score is going to be. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not willing to take the risk on it. I'm not going to encourage people to take a risk on it. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised to, to see an, uh, an increase in average from him. Do
0: you reckon he, there's a chance he could finish as a top six player?
1: In I mean, there's a, there's a chance for any any kind of player to finish top six, oh, you know, in, in this in this kind of top twenty that we're talking about here. But <laughs> is it a high percentage likelihood? Certainly not. I'd, I'd probably give it like a one percent chance. <laughs> what
0: about Tom Lynch at a new club?
1: Well, it's interesting because his price point makes him. Like you like you want to consider it. But twenty five K yeah, but we've seen and we've spoken about this in the in the midfield podcast about Richmond's ability to kind of share the load and, and share and, and everything gets shared, super coach points, statistic everything's just a, a whole share thing down there. Um so no, I don't think so. I think he's a key new environment. Underpriced, yeah, probably, because he's probably gonna average more than what a four hundred and twenty five thousand dollar player would. Um, but the reality is, is that I'm not willing to take the risk on that.
0: you want to get into some ugly names?
1: Oh, it depends uh, who they are. I might find them quite attractive.
0: Oh, what if we go to the St Kilda boys and talk about
1: Jack uh, Yeah, I knew that. As soon as you said <laughs> an ugly name, I knew exactly what was coming. Hey, this is not the first time that we have endorsed um, kind of like a forward-line player who we think is going to go next level Um, who probably just disappointed the community. Um, There's a few that kind of spring to mind, and Jack Billings, yeah, yeah, and a few others. Um, But what I I think the trend is that they kind of come out, we think they're going to break out, they don't break out, all of a sudden no one looks at them, and then they surprise us a bit the year after. Um, He averaged 80 on the year. And, you know, 80 doesn't sound like a horrible score. Like, if... Your player is sitting in your forward six and they're going 80, 80, 80, 80 every single week rather than the fluctuations. You're like, yeah, Carl, I would almost accept that. Like you'd want to take 90, 95, right? But 80, you're you're not too down in the dumps about it. He was played out of position last year. We all know that. We all know that, right? If he can transition into the midfield, I think we have an absolute steal on our hands here, but I don't think we can pick him.
0: You don't hate him, do you?
1: I don't, know, no, no. And, and and I know, and we get a lot of fun out of Jack Billings, right, we run so many memes last year, We probably half our followers have come as a result of Jack Billings hate, right, but I still don't hate him, I, I mean, I held him for such a long period of time, but for some reason I still don't hate him because I know he's got the talent, I just know he's being played out of position, and the moment he can get some consistency kind of through that midfield is the time we're going to reap the rewards from the selection, I don't think my balls are big enough to do it, though.
0: I don't mind the pick either, and I think if we see him in the guts over the off season, we're going to see him at a lot higher than two percent.
1: But um, yeah, we'll see him higher than two percent. But I wonder whether that's the right thing because we saw him so much higher up the ground as well um, in the preseason last year, and that was kind of that's kind of what filled kind of the hype around him. And we were all biting into it, right? We all took a bit of that cherry or a slice of that pie, whatever you want to say, but. I feel like if we see it again this year, it's it's just going to trigger me. D- just like trauma. I was traumatised by this bloke last year. Don't don't you worry about that. I've got trauma. And I'll tell you, I'll be reliving that trauma if I see this bloke pushed up into the midfield in the pre-season because I'll just be waiting for that kind of that negative reaction later when I see him playing full pocket again.
0: I'd love if he broke out and there were people in the community who were on him. Um, Josh Kennedy from West Coast at 397k. And oh, Jack Darling's a little bit more expensive, but Kennedy's got that, that kind of sexy price tag to him. Mm. Anyway, we can start a key forward like that at three ninety seven.
1: No, I couldn't do it. I think key forwards are kind of off limits in, in this game, um, unless kind of their name's Buddy Franklin, um, to be honest. And we kind of just need to wait and see what happens. People are going to be like, oh, Tom Hawkins last year, you dickhead. Yeah, but you know what? I challenge you to tell me who the Tom Hawkins is this year. We don't know who it's going to be. And anyone can kind of say any name, but ultimately you're just picking a name out of the hat. And if you're lucky enough, you're lucky enough. But I think just stay clear of this. He's obviously moving on in age as well. Kennedy um, had some injury concerns last year. I'd be staying away from it.
0: Did we get Jack Ziebel as a forward last year?
1: That's a good question. I actually don't know because I don't recall speaking about him.
0: 458K, I've got... For some reason, I thought we did, but I'm not too sure. Is his days is no. his days as a midfielder just
1: done though? Oh, with the recruitment they they ran this off season, you know, he's just kind of going to be that permanent R uh, four type. Um, he'll play same minutes forward line as kind of like your Robbie Gray will, but the difference is here is that Zee will be more of your Mark and Bash and Crash type player. Ultimately a centre half who sits kinda of hundred and ninety centimetres or probably even less than that I man. I don't know how tall he is, but he doesn't he, he plays a lot bigger than what he actually is. Um and he'll play kind of that support role to Ben Brown. Is Jared White still around or is he retired? No, nah, he's done. He, he's retired. So yeah, I mean even more kind of uh weight I think to to the whole Sebal uh playing that kind of key post role.
0: You know one who I think will be interesting, especially if we can get a bit of a go at him in the midfield would be Jai Simkin. I, think. I don't know if it'll be this year, but there, I think there'll be a year where we get a, a, a bit of a a 90, 90 average out of Jai Simkin. I don't think we're too far away. I've got, I got huge wraps on that kid. He's class.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I personally don't know much about him, um, apart from the fact I, I think I started uh, the last year or the year before with him uh, in the forward line. Um It's kind of like a more expensive rookie type option, and he, and he burnt me, so I've, I've looked negatively on him ever since. <laughs> Patrappa. trapper, yeah, exactly. That I ain't going anywhere near it because I think it is that again. I think we're seeing a lot more of these, these midfielders, and Robbie Gray, Christian Petrapper, um, Zeeble, you know, Martin Dangerfield. These players who can kind of set themselves up almost permanently in the forward line, or in a half forward type role. Um, and obviously Martin Danger for a bit more midfielders, but I think you get what I mean by the ability to play forward and play it well and as a result just not eventually move into the midfield. Yep. Melbourne are going to need that, I think, this year because someone who can impact the scoreboard is going to be pretty important. I think the loss of Hogan is it, it's going to screw Melbourne a lot more than I think uh, they're expecting, to be honest, and uh, I think they're going to need all they can kind of get from... What what kind of talent they have sitting in the forward line? But I think they were the best team at getting the ball into the forward line last year. They, they the just weren't they at translating into, translating like fifties into scores or, or goals. They, did, they scored the number one scoring team last year. Yeah, but I think, but I think even their their conversion percentages. Yeah, okay, yeah, now yeah, I get you. Of, yeah, I've ordered my champion data prospectus book. Don't you worry about that been uh, uh, the Collecting this book for years on end. You know how much I love that book. Is that
0: up for order? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it's available for pre-order. It's come out in the last couple of days. So maybe we'll post a link or something in the coming days as well for anyone who wants to get on the book. Yeah, I think we'll it's 40 it. bucks plus about 10 postage, something like that. Good buy, though. Um, You're big yeah, on it every year. I love it. I love it because I love looking at things like that. And, uh, you know, Brett and you give me a little bit of stick. Oh, Sturz coming out. And I get a lot <laughs> of my stats from, from that sort of thing now. I absolutely love giving that thing a read. Read it back to front every year. Um, but I think their, their actual conversion from... Um, you know, the amount of inside 50s I have as a percentage um, was actually like not kind of in the in the top few. I, look, I might be wrong, but I'm fairly confident I'm right on that one there. So they're going to need some talent in that forward line and with Hogan leaving, Petrarca stays there for me.
0: All right. I've been dragging this on the whole podcast. We're 45 minutes in. Toby Green. Everyone yeah. wants to talk about him. Not running yet. off oh, light laps, I think, walking. He's not training properly yet. There's a lot of teams who have him. Uh, actually, let me check I share What we got it, 28% of teams, very highly talented, probably, I, I could argue, the best you know, pound-for-pound pound position player in the AFL when he's out on that ground. Um, what are your thoughts on Toby Green? I
1: was hoping you were going to share your thoughts first, to be honest. I don't? can if you want. Right yeah, now, go for it right now I don't
0: think... I, I haven't got him in my team right now. Yeah. I can't... I can't pick a player who um, I don't know is going to be out on the ground at the moment. I need to see him in pre-season. The thing that scares about me is, especially with GWS, we've seen them last year, you know they're going to make the 8, they're probably going to make the 4. Um... It's so scary when you've got a player like Toby Green who's injured and they're gonna want at the back end that back half of the season we've seen what they've done to Kelly last year you've got a player who who's got that white line fever like Sicily does too but that doesn't worry me I'll never not pick a player because they they live too close to the edge I actually love that in most of my players as well um but the fact that he's not fully fit right now the fact that he's yeah, not out in the pre-season. I want him back on that track. I want to see him in JLT. If he's playing in JLT, I don't, I, I don't think I'll pass on him. I think I'll 100% have him he's playing in the JLT. But if he's not in his touch and go for round one, I don't think I'll risk it. And I'd rather pay up to have him when I see him, you know, put a couple of games together.
1: Yeah. This is my thing. And I feel like uh, every time we do a potty here, I'm, I eventually end up speaking about the bloke I write me article about on a Wednesday. But, Um, Again, green is my bargain buy this week because 350k presents someone who could be a top six option Something surprised me though. I delved a little bit deeper into the stats and stats bonfait You really came out to play uh, today and you'll see it in the article tomorrow But what I actually had a look at is the amount of actual hundreds this guy scores now If we're thinking here, you know, top six forward, because ultimately people will select Green thinking he's going to be a top six forward. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. So, for me, a lot of teams I'm seeing him being selected at forward three.
0: Just just so you go on, a lot of teams are picking him at this price because they think they're not going to be trading him throughout the year. He's not a stepping stone yet. They do think that he will be top yeah. six it will be in their finishing team at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing and and look he was in my team that I dropped on on Saturday as well, but since he's made his way out of my team and my concern is this, okay? Is that these are his games played over his career. 19, 19, 15, 22, 21, 16 and 7. So he's played 23 games in the last 2 years. My bigger concern here though is that in the seasons where he scored, uh, he had a season where he averaged just a tick under 103. It was 102.9. He played pure midfield that year. So to me, that that's not going to be an accurate reflection of something we can kind of predict from him. Aside from that year, in the last three years, he's gone 90, 96, and 72. To me, even that 90 and 96, that doesn't scream top six to me. It, look, it, it just doesn't. And I think when we pick um, a guy of Green, and I think for some reason, maybe because how good he is on field isn't necessarily translating to points, but I think his super coach ability has been somewhat overrated. In his last two years, so in his last twenty three games, he scored five tons. To me, that is not a top six forward. Is in his last five, la- five tons in his in last two years in 23 twenty three games, game? five tons. Wow. Five tons he's scored 18 tons in his last four years which he played 66 games right half of those came in one year so if you take out the 90 scored in 2016 right he has scored nine tons in something like 44 games or something along those lines it's something that i think isn't high enough if but the scores he are, he is scoring, he's scoring a lot between 80 and 99. And over his last 66 games or four years, he scored 26 scores between 80 and 99. I don't think that's a huge difference between what you're kind of going to see from a 60 or 70 point kind of rookie. Because if you take out the tons, if you take out the scores between 80 and 99, oh now, now you're really going to kind of test my maths here, but you're kind of left with uh, 40, you're left with 22 games, I believe, where he's scored sub-80 in the last four years. That That's a huge number for a premium forward. What I speak about in my article tomorrow is that I'm so against Toby Green as Ford three. I think if you're going to be running three who you consider to be premium forwards, Toby Green can't be in it. If you're going to risk Toby Green, he's going to be sitting at 4-4 for me.
0: Could you argue, though, that he could be a stepping stone at worst? So, like, you could pick him thinking that he's going to be a top six. And then if that fails, you'll still probably get him at 500, you know, sub 500k at some stage this year. If he's fully fit.
1: Look, you'll probably make 100 grand on him. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But what you have to depend on that happening is him playing consistent games We've seen the injury troubles the last few years. He got he got reported or cited three times during 2017, I believe it was, um, and and that's kind of the risk you run. You really need to see him kind of play 10 consecutive games in a row to start the year. And if his output isn't of that of a, of a top six forward, then sure, he's a stepping stone. You would have got points. You would have made cash. Tick tick tick. He potentially could be a top six forward, even bigger tick, because you got him sitting there. I just don't think he's worth the risk at Ford three. I certainly think he's a bargain buy. Absolutely, don't get me wrong on that, right? And would encourage people to select him. But I think he needs to be selected in the right position. And for me Ford number four is the absolute perfect position for someone like this.
0: Not to mention to touch on your point too, if he's not running just yet, if he's not running, you know, for for another month or so, there's no way even if he is playing round one that he's spending time in the midfield.
1: Because he's not going to have the tank for it.
0: So be playing forward.
1: He's not playing midfield. I think we can kind of all just kind of come to that agreement that this is a bloke who's just going to sit forward pocket and GWS are kind of going to hope if he could play 22 games in a year, could kick 50 to 60 goals. That's 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 the thing.
0: He's a freak freak talent. This guy is a freak footballer when he's fit on the park. Doesn't even need to be in the guts. And this is why I say where I think he's the best probably pound-for-pound pound player. Because like, when you put him in the guts, he's a freak. You can play him in the midfield, it's good. You can probably play him off half-back as well. He's just a gun. Um, but yeah, I kind of sit in the same boat with you. I'm seriously
1: scared. Oh, I'm, I'm worried. But I'll tell you what, if you have a little tinkle with your team and you set him up at forward four and you have a look at how good your, your team looks then... The concern about him sitting forward 3 as well, injury or suspension, you'll be then left to play four forward rookies on field.
0: But right now, right now, I'd probably rather go four deep in defence than I would four deep up forward.
1: I'd do that just based on the confidence I have in the, in the forwards, being able to come out and produce something. Yeah. but But so for me... I think yeah, down to rookies, isn't it? Really? I think for me, and this is kind of the structure I'm looking at at the moment. Is and look, maybe I'll hold off, and we'll speak about structure a little bit next week.
0: Yeah, it's probably going to need. I don't think Gold Coast have anyone. Is there any other midfielder that mid-price we need to talk about other than Danaher? I don't think so. Yeah, well, there's no one really jumping at me too, and I, I suppose we've got team podcasts and. I wrote about Danaher on the weekend. Um, He kind of sits in the same... On Monday, I should say, in my article. Kind of sits in that same boat as Toby Green. Um, As far as injury, he's not even back yet. We can't guarantee round one. But a couple of things I do love about Danaher, especially if he can get into that round one one side, um, one would be the price. He's priced so juicy at uh 277k. So he's a player that I think if he was playing could get you to the 450 500k. He's I, I can't see him being a top 6, but for me and what I wrote was, Danaher is definitely one that I'd use as a stepping stone. I think he can make just as much bulk cash quickly as a rookie can. Um, and if he was if he was 100% fit right now, I'd be there'd be no way I wouldn't be starting him. Seven of their first eight games are in Melbourne, either at Marvel or the MCG. He's got a beautiful run of fixtures that include teams like Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne uh, Brisbane, St Kilda, um, North Melbourne, who I think he matches up really well on to when he is fit as well. So, Danaher's one that I hope he can get back and start training, and hopefully, we see in the JLT. If he is, he's one that I would rather probably take a risk on over the, over Toby Green. Um, but right now I don't know how I could pick her with that injury cloud looming. I don't like to pick players who are injured. I've done it before, I've taken the risk before, and it, it's just burnt me. So learn from your mistakes and yeah, don't select players who aren't having pre-seasons.
1: I think, you know, my personal opinion on Joe Danaher, probably one of the most overrated footballers in the first six years of a career than anyone I've well, probably and, ever seen aside from Well, I just form. say
0: something? I know you said that, and you're big on that. I ran Joe Danaher's numbers the other day, and you can see this on the page. I put it up next to Buddy Franklin's first six seasons, which just shows that he's not even close. And I put it up next to Josh Kennedy's first six seasons from West Coast. And those numbers, his first six years are better than Josh Kennedy's first six
1: years. Yeah, Josh Kennedy also played at Carlton.
0: For three years. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you, know, you know, Joe Deniher also played in a team that had all their players taken off them.
1: Yeah, but he also played as the sole only four-line player there when Kennedy was there, but Waller was hanging around. I could, and I, I could, I could actually argue looking.
0: with you that it's probably easier to play next to those. And I'm, I'm talking about per-game numbers too, not just total over-the-season stats. Yeah. Like... You know, there's, I think there's a lot of correlation. It does take forwards a long time to get ready in the game. And remember how skinny Joe Danaher was in his body frame. So, I think there's a lot of people who hate on Joe Danaher because he was expected, and, and, and like you right now, he was coming to the AFL and it was expected to be something big because father-son. Um, you know, I think give players like that time, and, and, and touch wood, stay fit. I mean, I'm a Collingwood supporter, so the last thing I want to do is root for Essendon. I think Joe Danaher is going to have a spectacular career.
1: Not saying he won't have a good year. I think currently is one of the most overrated players still in the game. And let's not forget this Super Coach podcast. I'm also speaking about a bloke here who's only averaged over seventy once in his career. And look, even at two ninety seven k, I mean, what do you want from him? You're picking him, expecting what him to average eighty on on seasons gone by? That's no guarantee. And I, I think I'd almost rather just go down to a basement rookie then spend the money on Joe Danahert because I can't see him averaging 90 plus. Um, sure, Essendon will get better. Sure, he'll get better within the team. But does that necessarily translate to supercoach points? I'm a firm no on that. I mean, his, his accuracy at goal is just so bad. I mean, fix that up and maybe I can see it. If
0: a player but- priced at 270K was to average 85 for the first... Six or seven rounds into the season, what do you reckon he'd be priced?
1: 285 for six or seven. So he's got three, four price jumps in him. Yeah. 100K. And
0: then plus a little bit longer than that?
1: Well, I mean, yeah. yeah so if he gets a little bit... 200K? Yeah. So, that, so based on the pricing system this year, if he was to average 85, um, he'd be up around kind of that 460 kind of mark yeah. in price. So, I um, don't know yeah. like to think the
0: things that I love that Joe Danoher can do, and I mean, we're talking a lot of hypotheticals. Here's a patch of 2017. These are his scores. Round 4. 85, 105, 79, 114, 106, 124. Like, you're coming out of that. And he's playing very similar teams early, you know, a, a ladder position-wise that that he played then. I mean, this is back in, what, 2017. There's teams like the Dockers, the Demons, you know, weren't that great at the time. The Blues. um, Actually, the Blues was his worst game, funny enough. But, uh, you know, like, I just think that he's one of those players that if we had him fully fit, very hypothetical, you know, if we had him fully fit, he could be one that just had, had a huge jump in cash.
1: Do not feel? And this is one of the biggest knocks I have on him. He's all about me, me, me. Danaher. Sometimes
0: those kind of players can be perfect for Supercoach, though.
1: But but I I don't feel like he. I'm not picking him to it.
0: be a top six player. I'm picking him to go to kick twenty goals over six weeks and, and earn me two hundred k. And and banking and good 90, points
1: 200. as well. He won't. Uh, he won't do two hundred. Well, I t- I tell you weeks.
0: what. If you got Joe Danaher at, at Two hundred and seventy seven thousand and he's putting up eighty nine, one oh five, seventy nine, hundred and fourteen, hundred and six, hundred and twenty four, there's six they're six out of six wins. Because I don't know. If,
1: you're, mm-hmm. if your
0: opponent doesn't have a player at that price, putting up those numbers and they're banking on a rookie against you
1: there, I think you're doing pretty well. So you're so so, so you're so selecting a player roughly three hundred K. I would rather a Dylan Roberton, I'd rather a Liberatore. And I know this one, here is probably pushing the bank a little bit too far, but I'd rather a Toby Green all ahead of him. All fully fit? Uh, yeah, yeah, all starting round one.
0: Yeah, see, I think I'd, I'd, I'd definitely rather Liver because you've got the midfielder, but I'd probably fully fit, 100% fit, I'm taking Danaher over Robberton. I, I, I know what I'm getting from Danaher. Even though Robert
1: and years gone by, have shown, you know, we had average Danaher. But that's what I find interesting. I think you're picking a player based on how good he could be potentially rather than how good he is well, sometimes currently.
0: Sometimes we have to look at that, Bombs. Sometimes we have to look at, you know, that, that, that pick at that price. And that's where the risk versus the reward comes in.
1: I'm not condoning
0: picking him. but All I'm saying is
1: that I like the idea of picking a player where we know how good they are right now as opposed to thinking, gee, this bloke might be the best player in five years, so I'm going to pick him now. Well, I'll pick him know, in five years when he's the best know, player. But, but that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? I think that's where we get sucked in by oh, yeah. like some of these players. But you're saying him. we
0: don't have the sample size on O'Hare. We do have a, you
1: know, you've, and, you've, you've got but the sample size is you, poor. You have that's, that that's year for coming
0: in an AFL. He, he, scored, he averaged eighty six before injury.
1: To to me, that's that's to me. I don't. I wouldn't pay
0: that. 20, see, I think you get too sucked into his name.
1: I oh, see. I would not pay two seventy seven for a bloke averaging seventy six. When 86, I can pay eighty six, not 76, oh sorry, 86, 86. 86 When I I would rather pay one twenty three k for a bloke who might average sixty five.
0: But you're not I'd, guaranteed for that bloke to average sixty five.
1: I'm more guaranteed for a rookie to average sixty five. I think than I am Joe Dunaher to go over well, over mid eighties.
0: See, I think Joe Dana. I think full. There's, there's a lot of things that that make me think that if fully fit, he could do that. But all right, let's get off this topic because we're arguing so many hypotheticals here. Are you picking him? No. Are
1: you encouraging people to pick him? Not now, because he's not fit.
0: If he was fit, yes. Yeah, but he's not. Yeah, and I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, rookies, probably don't really need to talk about too many. I mean, let's have a look, let's have a talk about the ones that we know are going to play. Um, we've got, uh, what's his name from Carlton? Um, uh Yeah, we Yeah, Will Set a field. Locked a
1: Yep, for me, uh, again, one of those players that hasn't moved kind of since day one.
0: Where do you think he'll play?
1: Um, I think he'll kind of play midfield, uh, half forward kind of role. I think they've got a lot of players who will do that. Yeah. Um, and I think being introduced into the system, he may do a little bit more midf- uh Sorry, a little bit more high-half forward um, and just have those guys that they have had playing high-half forward, your Fishers, your Petrovsky seasons, um, running through the midfield more because they're a little bit more experienced than him at the moment.
0: What do you think he's going to average?
1: Uh, I'm not expecting big things. I'd, I'd kind of say 70. But, I mean, we, we pick him kind of feeling that he'll be there round one, knowing he's got some... Potential allegedly about him and kind of just see what happens. But again, this is a bloke who's had an injury uh, Interrupted uh, preseason as well with an issue.
0: Yeah, you'd love 70. Um, what, uh, Sorry, just before I know there's a couple of teams that have him as well um, Jamie Elliott any chance?
1: Oh, no, he injured again when was, was he not re-injured?
0: Really when was this?
1: Oh, I feel like a gee, I not know. even I, sure.
0: could, like, I can't even keep up with him at the moment. So He's had that many
1: injuries in his um, in his career I know you sent a scare through the camp here. You um, he left training early, and oh, sorry, that was in gee, bloody just before Christmas week, before Christmas. Yeah. Um, I think okay, so maybe right. he's okay. But no, I'm not going anywhere near it, man. Like yeah. you, you can't. That many injuries. In that, not in sure of a career. So I'd like, rather Dan her scary. than Jamie Elliott.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> are we expecting the Gold Coast boys to be unveiled? Lukosius and Ranky.
1: Uh, ranking, yeah. Um, certainly, Lukosius. Look, you'd anticipate. So, I mean, who else they got in their forward line? Uh, they got two metre Peter and uh, Day. Is that probably all that's left? Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. you'd anticipate that both of them, they're not debuting round one, they'll be debuting in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. If fit, they've got to sort of show something to their potential uh, members moving forward.
0: 190k Nakaya Cockatoo?
1: No, nah, so the injury concerns that have plagued him through his career uh, make him a no go zone for me.
0: I've got him. He hasn't moved. It's a risk. I'm very confident. I I was watching a video of him the other day, and he looked good.
1: He's a good mover. I've yeah. no doubt about he,
0: look, he looked he looked pretty good, but but again, no, track record. Like, yeah, but I see. I don't mind having like a uh, having a, a pot shot at a hundred ninety k player who I think can average eighty.
1: Yeah, like that's, I, I feel a
0: lot safer going to Kai Cockatoo than I would go on Joe Dunner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I expect what are you expecting to... from? him? Eighties.
1: <laughs> can I read you his games played over his career? Yeah,
0: that's all right. You can read 11,
1: you 10, 10, and two. yeah, scary. I don't know how you, I don't know how you're gonna do it. I, I think you you'll uh, you'll back out of that one uh, when when kind of the uh, the the countdown comes a little closer to zero seconds and uh... it's january twenty ninth've so got probably... <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is early, so Confidence might be high now. I'd love to hear your confidence. March 21, I think, the season starts. Uh,
0: anyone else that you want to talk about at this price?
1: I think Blakey at 166 uh, is someone who we kind of just need to have sitting there at the moment. There's been some good things spoken about. Sam Sturt didn't, from didn't Fremantle
0: did just come back to training?
1: Um, I'm not entirely sure about that, but he's one that, uh, if name ran one, I think you'll want kind to of run with. Um, the other ones, I think, that are... At a good enough price to kind of pay, um, Ian Hill at this stage from GWS, Kavara from the Dogs. Was one that
0: remember this time last
1: year that, that yeah, the Camp up.
0: was given huge raps of. We had him as a defender last year. He's a forward this year. Yeah, halfback yeah. flanker. So that's a little bit odd.
1: Yeah, I'm um, not sure if you can Golden. crack into Sydney there. Ian Hill, Kavara, um, the two I, I just mentioned, um, and the other one is McHenry from uh, Adelaide, oh, but right. also McAdam from Adelaide as well. So. AFL.com.au released an article the other day about um, first-year players at clubs, yep. and uh, they were pretty optimistic that McHenry um, would get a crack in round one. Um, same with Kavara. They reckon Phil okay. Cedarfield, Blakely, they, they were all chances as well. So, What's the Coast Gold uh,
0: boy's name too?
1: Which one ranking?
0: The young one. Uh,
1: Corbett. Oh, Corbett. Yeah, Josh Corbett. Yeah, he was a he was a bigger fellow, that guy there, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, um, okay, had me. a really good size about him. Malta. Um, oh, no, yeah, no, a bolter, <laughs> yeah, um, blast from the past, isn't he, but, uh, wasn't he a ruck rookie last year who was, like, not even a ruckman? Yeah, no, a playing either. defender. Yeah, yeah, Half halfback flanker listed yeah. as a ruckman, that's what he was, yeah. Um, but I think at the moment, man, that's that's kind of what we, uh, we have kind of sitting
0: there. And uh good old Blakey, uh, big schlong. Schlisog from
1: <laughs> from
0: Geelong the rock forward, 102k oh
1: yeah yeah Uh every pod yeah well I mean I'll tell you now if we get the choice if, if Geelong end up being a good team to kind of select as they are 102k and we run with that 102k then I think the Schlong uh, will get a bit of love in the preseason. season that's for sure
0: alright is that it?
1: I think that's it but
0: beautiful All right, Elitist, thank you for listening, especially to the 25-minute rant on Joe Danaher. It's (laughs) early in the season. We've got to get something out there. Um, Yeah, on behalf of Bombs for myself, peace out, community, and thanks for listening.